goodness, goodness. Little known fact, they asked me to sing that one part. I said, nah, just go let go ahead and let Phelps handle that for me, okay? We don't you don't need me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Man, that's that's good stuff right there. You know what? Let freedom ring, you betcha. Uh uh Clarence. Clarence. Clarence, pray. Thank you, Clarence. Uh, we'll be in Romans 13 if you'd like to turn there. First couple of verses there. July 4th, 1776. 56 bold and courageous men signed the Declaration of Independence, declaring their freedom from British tyranny. As they declared their independence from Great Britain, they were also declaring their dependence upon Holy God as they began to form this nation. Four times in that document, they expressed their desire to have the Lord be a part of this country. Four times they wanted to be dependent upon the Lord to lead and to guide this country. The founding fathers did not want government separated from God, but they wanted a government that completely depended upon God. You hear this separation of church and state, that's not what they wanted. They wanted a a country that depended on God, and they set those documents up so that we would do just that very same thing. These 56 brave men, they knew exactly what they were doing. They knew that they were probably going to lose their life because of this pledge for independence. They knew that they might lose their life. They knew they might lose their career. They might lose their family. But still, they stood strong in their belief that this was a country that was going to be blessed by God because the foundation of this country was having their eyes on the Lord. And you know, that is exactly what happened to many of those 56 brave men who signed that document. Nine died during the war. Nine gave their lives for the cause. Five were captured and imprisoned and tortured. 
several of those men lost their lives, lost their wives, lost their children. I, I read where one guy lost 13 children during the course of the war because they had stood for independence. Two of the wives were tortured because of the stance that their husbands had taken. Twelve of the signers had their homes burned to the ground. Seventeen of the signers lost everything that they owned. And yet not one of them turned back. Not one of them said, oh, take my name off of that list. Not one of them said, it is not worth it. These brave men were so committed to this country. They were so committed to the God that they served that they would not refuse to turn back in spite of all the the struggles and all the difficulties and the loss of life and property and everything that they had to go through. They would not turn back. I think we owe a great uh, debt of gratitude for those early signers who stood their ground and said, this is what we want from this country. You know, I think... uh, Many times we see today in our, in our country the Christian principles are uh, being eroded a little bit, aren't they? The Christian principles that we, that we have stood for for so many years are, are now under a, a severe attack. And it's not just the same anymore, is it? The norms are not the same. The values are not the same. The thought processes are not the same. And the torch has been passed to you and I. Did you know that? The torch is passed to us to be able to stand our ground, to be faithful in what we believe, to put our trust in holy God, and to, and to stand against evil and to stand against the darkness of this world that we're living in. We must be a people that are strong in what we believe. If the Lord tarries, if he doesn't come send Jesus back quickly, uh, I think that you and I and maybe our kids and maybe our grandkids well, maybe someday, hopefully, but we'll have to stand just like those 56 men stood in defiance of evil and say, no matter what happens, I am standing strong. I'm standing in our faith. And I pray that doesn't happen for us. I pray that you and I and our kids and grandkids don't have to deal with that. I pray that, that the Lord will come before we, have, we get to that point in this country. But if he doesn't, We've got to know what we believe, and we've got to stand strong on what we believe. What role does the government play in the life of a Christian? I guess that's my question today. What role does the government play in our lives? And we can see in Romans 13, it kind of gives us a, a hint about that, what the role is, and how we as believers are to respond to our government how we are to respond to the freedoms of this country? How are we to respond to our government? When Paul was writing this letter uh, to the Roman church and, and the churches that were surrounding that, Paul could see the handwriting on the wall. Paul could see that, that this Christian movement was not fitting in with society. That, that the governments began to, to, begin to oppress uh, what, what the Christian world was speaking of. 
And they didn't want to have anything to do with that. And he could see the handwriting on a wall. And as the government became more oppressive and more hated and more uh, against uh, what Christianity stood for, Paul is writing this letter to them. And he is in, going to encourage them. And, and, and basically he is, he is telling them, boy, you, it, it, hard times could be coming. And, and when the government is oppressive and the government is not correct... Here is what you as a believer must stand on. And he starts off Romans in Romans 1 and just almost right off the bat, there's that great verse that Paul's going to remind this church and remind others when it seems to be difficult sometimes. And it's that Romans 1, 16, where he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation. To all who believe, to the Jew first and then the Gentile. He was reminding that church and reminding us when, when government seems to kind of enclose on us that there's one more important thing besides what the government is doing. And he says that is the gospel. And he says never be ashamed of that. Never step away from that. Never, never compromise that. Be strong in the Lord. Paul is telling us, even if you do not agree with what's going on, you still have this one bit of faith that you stand on. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't give up. Don't compromise it. Stand strong, church, is what Paul would be telling us. How should we respond to the government, even if the government is corrupt? We see here in, in starting in verse 1 of chapter, chapter 13. It says this. It says every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Let me read that one again. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Why, it says. Because there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God. We are to submit to the authority of God. God has ordained government. Did you know that? He has ordained the existence, the authority, the office, the whatever it might be, the positions. It is God's ordaining that government is part of our lives. And he also has ordained that men will be the ones who exercise that authority. God's will says, this is how I have set it up. And we can see it in the three institutions that God set up. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but he's really set up three separate uh, institutions. You could almost say of government. I guess you could say it that way. And he set it up this way. He said, you know, here is what I'm setting up these institutions. One is the family. I'm going to set the family up. That is an institution. That is a government. And this is how it would be run. And he as we read his word, he tells us how the family ought to be operating. He says, I also set up the institution of the church and how the church should be operated and who has authority and who does not have authority and how the governing body of the church, how is that going to, to operate? And then, of course, he set up the, the original governments, the governments that we know, and he has ordained all of that. He is a good God and he knows exactly what he's doing. He does that and he did that just for the fact that that 
He wanted you and I to be able to relate to other people in the right way. And if you think about that, that that's the, 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 the family, the church. How do we relate to other people? The government. But also, how do we relate to God? How do, how do we do that? And as he set up these institutions, that's what he was doing it for. So we can know how to relate, how to get along with others, and how also to be able to worship holy God. Man is responsible for the leadership positions that he has put people in. Did you know that? Every person who is in a leadership position one day will answer to holy God. One day they will give an account on how they led in their position that they had. And I got to thinking about that. You just might think that's for the president or, some, or me or somebody. No, that's, that's for all of us men. Because you see, as the Bible sets up the institution of family, he has put man at the head of that family, has he not? He has put man in that leadership position. And one day, one day, you guys who are in charge of your families, in essence, will give an account and answer to God. He's going to want to know, how did you lead your family? How did you, did you love your wife as, as, as Christ loves the church? Did you teach your kids and, and point them to Jesus? He's going to want to know. You see, we're all going to be held accountable someday when we're in leadership positions about what we did with what God has given to us. The same thing with, with being a pastor and the leaders of a church. He's going to want to know, Don, how did you, how did you lead that church? Don, did you speak truth to that church? Don, did you love Jesus and did you love the people like you're supposed to? Did you point people to Jesus, Don? Or did you just go off on some social agenda that, 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 that people want to hear, but they don't want to hear the gospel? Did you preach the gospel to them, John? Did you, Don, did you tell them what was in this word? Did you tell them that there is a Savior and that we're all sinners in need of a Savior? Did you tell them that? Or did you tell them how to, how to the 10 best ways to be a friend to somebody? He's going to ask me that. He's going to know what I did with his word. He's going to do the very same thing to leaders of the church. He'll do the very same thing to the men of this church and the ladies of this church. And he's going to want to know the spiritual gift that I gave to you. How did you use it? The gift that I gave to you, that special gift when I saved you. What did you do to further the kingdom? What did you do within your church that said, this is my gift. I want to give it back to you, Lord, by serving people, by doing things, by doing whatever you've blessed me to do. We'll all be given an account of who and what we did. The president is no different. The president leader, the governor, the leader, the mayors of, of, these, of these towns, they too will answer to God. They too will give an account on way, the way they led their, in their leadership position. I got to thinking about it. I mean, we've had presidents, some of them we like and some of them we don't like. President Clinton will give an account one day on how he was led our country. President Bush will give an account how he led. President Obama will give an account on how he led our country. President Trump will give an account on how he led our country. President Biden will give an account on how he led our country. And no matter what we have thought about these guys, some of them we maybe we liked and some of them not. Some of us maybe struggle with uh, our present president on some of the issues that he's doing and some of the things that he is uh, pushing down. 
But the Bible says we are not to be angry about that. We are not to seek uh, revenge because of that, you might say, because they're going to be held accountable. Romans 12, 19 says this, Now, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, declares the Lord. And when we get angry and we, and we get frustrated at what's going on in our country, we must not put so much focus on those kinds of positions and those kinds of leaders. But we draw strength from, from our Savior. We draw strength from our Lord. And, and eventually we allow God to do what God needs to do in holding people accountable and holding us, all of us, accountable. God is in control. God is in control. God is in control of this government. God is in control of all the governments around this world. And the Bible tells us someday he's going to take all the yuck of the governments and all the yuck of these leaders and all of that. And he's going to make something really good out of it. Did you know it? How do I know that? Romans 8.28 tells me that if we love the Lord, he's going to take the hard things of this world and one day he's going to make them, make them really good. Will we see that in our lifetime? I don't know. But I know what the Bible tells us, that Jesus is coming back. And one day all evil will be defeated. All evil will be put in its place. And one day, one day we're going to live on this earth, a perfected earth for a thousand years called the millennium, where Jesus will rule and reign. And it will be a time of perfection. And then after that thousand years is up, guess what? We will be living in the new heaven and new earth where there will never be any sin. You see, one day he's going to take all this yuck right here and he's going to make something good. That is a promise that he's given us in his word. And we can take his promises to the bank, can we not? God is so faithful in what he does. In verse 2, we see what it says in verse 2. It says, verse 2, Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation or judgment upon themselves. That's kind of an interesting thing there. We're going to think about that. And before you get too emotional about what I'm fixing to say on that, give me some time. We'll get there, okay? I promise. Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. When Paul was writing this, Nero was the emperor of Rome. He didn't have street lights. He didn't have vapor lights that lit, the, lit the, the towns of Rome. What Nero did, he would take Christians in time to a pole. And then he would light the pole and the Christians would be the light at night so the other Romans could see. That's, the, that's who Paul was dealing with in the Roman Empire at the time. And yet he still writes these words, okay? He still writes these words. Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. I think there's two points that I want to make at, at, on this verse. Number one, Christ never did advocate rebellion, insurrection, civil disobedience. Christ never said we're going to tear this community up because you disagree with me. 
Christ said, we will never do that. We will never cause havoc in our community or where we choose to live. He says, you know, a believer, if we, if we resist the authority of the government, it is as if we're resisting God himself because God has ordained that. So how as a Christian, how do we submit to the authority even though it's an authority that maybe is oppressive? Maybe that is not right. Maybe, maybe it's, we've got a Nero sitting on the throne and we see what he's doing. And yet, yet Paul says we must submit to that authority because God ordained that authority. Hmm. Well, there's one exception. There's one exception for what I just said. And that exception is this. When the government passes laws that violate God's truth, then it is okay to resist that truth. Because you see, as Christians, we are called to pursue righteousness. And we are called to pursue morality. And we're called to pursue justice. And when the government does things that are in violation of his laws and his truths, we are encouraged to resist that. The question is whether or not we are resisting that. Are we pursuing righteousness, morality, and justice because of what we think or what God says about a particular subject? We must be aware of that. Over and over in the Bible, there are many examples of where a Christian had to take a stand against what the government had done. Taking a stand against those unlawful rules and laws that they passed that were in violation of God's rule. In Acts 6, we see a great, a great picture of this. Peter and his disciples had been out preaching. And the Bible says the authorities came and arrested them and put them in jail and, and let them sit there for a while. And the Bible says that one night the angel of the Lord came and supernaturally led Peter and all the rest of the, the apostles out of that prison and was told, go back to that synagogue and keep preaching. The next morning when the guards came looking for these guys, where were they? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know where they were. The locks on the prison were still locked. The guards were still awake. They did not know what happened to them. Supernaturally, God had delivered them, had he not. So they go down to the temple and said, hey, they're down there. Go get them. So they go down there and get them, and they bring them in front of the Sanhedrin, the big, the big governing body of, of the people at that time. And they said, didn't we tell you? Didn't we tell you to stop preaching about that man? They couldn't say the word Jesus. They just said that man. Didn't we tell you? And Peter's response, and the response that you and I must have many times when those things happen in our lives that are against God's word. Peter says this, a great statement. We must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. We must be a people that's strong enough that when, when our laws that we live under violate the principles that God has set for us, we must be a people that obey God and not man. We must stand against the things that we've been preaching over the last few weeks. You see, we must stand against abortion. It's against God's law. We must stand against socialism. We must stand against the woke and the cancel culture that's trying to silence you and I as, as believers and as Christians. We must stand 
against those kinds of things. We must stand against critical race theory where everything is, bla- is, is, is blamed on race. We must stand against that. We must stand against the, the gay and the, and, and, the, and the lesbian and the transgender gender. Because their, mo- their motto right now is what I heard on, 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 on Facebook the other day was, I am queer, I am here, I'm coming for your children. We must stand strong in the faith. And we as Christians know what God's word has said. And we must never compromise, we may never step back. We live the land, in the land of freedom. And the torch has passed, like I said to us, and one must be a people that stand against the evil and the darkness of this world. Yes, we can stand and with permission from the Lord against those laws that violate God's principles. But on the other side of that coin, we must not violate the just laws that we live under. We cannot be disobedient to the just laws, the, the laws that are good and proper for, to have uh, civil obedience in society. Even though we might not, not like them, even though we might disagree with them. The Bible says because God has ordained government, if it is a good law, if it goes along with God's rule, then we must be obedient to those rules. First Peter 2 says it this way. It says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. It doesn't say for our sake. It says for the Lord's sake. When we submit to the laws of the land that don't violate God's laws, we do it not for ourselves. We do it for, for God's sake, for Christ's sake, to be an example to the rest of the world. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every inst- human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or the governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do right. In verse 15, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. We've been called to do right, haven't we? We've been called to make the right decisions. We have called to submit to the government and we do that and it's God honoring when we do that. But when they violate God's rules, then we must stand against those. Another fundamental or foundation of government is we see it in verse 3 4 and 5 it says for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior but for evil do you want to have do you want to have no fear of authority do what is good and you will have praise from the same one of the functions of the government is to promote good and restrain evil Promote good and strain evil. Are we seeing that in society today? We see just the opposite of that many times. You look at the big cities around the world, around the United States. They're letting criminals go. They're letting uh, lesser offenses. They're allowing the burning and the rioting and the looting, looting of all those of the cities. And they're just going, okay, we just turn a blind eye to that. The Bible says, let everything be done in decency and in order. Follow the laws. 
And yet in our country, we are not seeing that anymore. We are allowing the criminal to be the one who gets, gets the good and, the, and all of us gets the bad. And in spite of that, the Bible commands us to obey the law. The Bible commands us to keep doing what's right and keep doing good. Because that is God honoring. When the world keeps saying, no, you don't have to do that, God's word says, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You've got to do, be good in what I say and what I tell you to do. In verse 5, we see this. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, subjection to the government. Not because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. He says, you know, I I want you to be obedient. I want you to be good citizens. I want you to be leaders in the community. Not because if you're not, you'll be punished. Not because of of, uh, you'll pay a fine. Not because you might spend a couple of days in jail. I want you to do it because that is the right thing to do, Christian, is to be obedient to the laws of the land. Don't do it because of what might happen to you. Don't do it because a conscience might bother you. That's the last part of that verse. Do right because I've called you to do right for conscience sake. Anybody have a, in their life, a, a conscience maybe has bothered you in the past because of something that you've done? You don't have to answer that. But it's just an uneasiness there, isn't there? There's just a, a kind of a pain there, a restlessness there because you know something's bugging you in, in your conscience. Something's being held over your head. I had, I had a worker that worked on some apartments for me, and I didn't know it at the time, but uh, he had a warrant for his arrest. And looking back now, I see that he was never around the police. He was always kind of hiding. He was always looking over his shoulder. He always wanted to know where, where he was at because his conscience was bothering him. It causes that kind of, a conscience will bother you. And a good conscience brings peace and contentment, does it not? And, and, and Paul is telling us here, be a good citizen. Obey the laws and allow your conscience to be clear so that you can have peace. You can have a calmness. You don't have to be looking over your shoulder anymore of what might be happening to you. And then I just thought about, isn't that the way it is for a Christian today? If we have confessed and we have been forgiven... Our conscience should be clear. Our conscience should be clear. Our, the pipeline to the Lord must be clear. We must be able to receive blessings from Him because we, are, we have done the right thing. And when we don't, we confess and clean that up. And He continues to bless us because of that. Yes, God is good. Hebrews 13, 18 says this, pray for us. And maybe we should pray for each other. For we should sure that we have a good conscience, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. We're to be good citizens, obeying the laws of the land. In conclusion, God has ordained our government, and He has set our laws for our government. I believe that God has blessed this country beyond blessing. And I think he blessed this country or blesses this country because of what the founding fathers did a long time ago. Set the principles of this country on the principles of God. We must be good citizens. We must be disobedient to the government when the government does wrong. 
We must stand strong when they tell us to do the things that are in opposition to God. I believe right now as a country, we are, as Joe Biden said a few years ago, we are fighting for the soul of our country. Now, I believe it. what I think is a little different than what he thinks. You see, I believe right now we are fighting for the soul of the country. Yeah, whether or not this country will be a God-fearing country. Will this country submit to holy God? Will this country have the laws of the land that God bring glory to God or honor? Or are we going to be a country that shakes our fist at God and says, we're going to do it our way. We're going to do it my way. We don't need you, God, anymore. And the Bible says, he who, he who rejects God and says there is no God is a fool. Yeah, we are. We are battling for the soul of our country. And who is going to be the leaders of that battle for this great country that we live in? It's going to be you and I that have to do it. It's going to be the Christians will have to rise up. And we know, we know the formula for success for our country. We know it. God, God has told us how are we to look for and achieve success. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. You know that verse. If my people, that's you and I, will humble ourselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. God says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and heal your land. Christians, we must take that verse <laughs> and not just memorize it. We got to live it. If we are to not allow darkness to overtake this country that we live in, we must get back to God. We must humble ourselves and pray and seek his presence in our lives. And the evil that we go after, we must turn from that. And what a great promise he's given to us. God will hear when we do that and forgive us and heal our land. We must be a people that look after and pursue after God. Christians, we have a command to be good citizens. We have a command to follow the laws of the land. We have a command to resist the evil laws that we come about. We have a command not to cause problems, but to be leaders in a light in a dark community. But if laws are passed, we must resist those. May God continue to bless this country, the land of the free. We live in a land that is free. But we also see a lot of people in our life that are not free. Yeah, the government says they're free. But they're not free because they're under the bonds and the chains of sin. They are not free spiritually. And believe it or not, many unbelievers do have a conscience. And they know, the Bible tells us, they know that they are lost. And they know that, 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 that the chains of sin still have them tied up. And they can't seem to get rid of that. And they can't seem to find any peace. And they can't seem to find any happiness. Because they are not free from the guilt of their sin. And I'm here to tell you today, there can be freedom from that guilt of sin. There can be chains that have been broken. Chains can be unleashed upon you. And you can be free. 
and you can be free from the guilt and the, the punishment and the, and the future thought that, that there's going to be a judgment out there someday. You can all be free from that. And that's true freedom, isn't it? When you give your heart and life to Christ, He takes all of that guilt away from you. He takes all that pain away from you. And He says, let me take all your sin. I'll take it and I'll give you my righteousness. I will make you right with, with holy God. Then and only then can you be free. I know Brian's motto is, I, I became free in 93. When he finally gave it up for the Lord. What a great motto. I am free in 93. You can be free today. Did you know that? If you've never given your heart and life to Christ, you can be free today. You can be free for an eternity. You will no longer have to face a judgment. You will no longer face condemnation. You'll no longer have to face any guilt because of what you've done in the past. Christ will wipe all that away. And that, my friend, is true freedom. How can people in communist countries think that they're free when their government says you're not free? You are free in Jesus. What a freeing thing that is to know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That is true freedom. Rhonda. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you today. I, I hope a couple of things. Number one, I hope it encourages you that we live in the greatest country that's ever been. We have responsibility as Christians to, to live a life that is a light in a dark world. We are called to be believers. We are called to be obedient to the law even though we don't agree with it. We are called to resist all those things, those laws that violate God's principles. The torch has been passed to you and I, and we must stand in the gap for our country. We must be a people doing what 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today would be a good day to do that. You can have true freedom from your past. You can have true freedom from your present. You can have true freedom from your future. And it's all that is based on making Jesus your Lord and Savior. As we begin our invitation time, I ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and just do business with God like I tell you every Sunday. Do business with Him. I don't know how He's spoken to you. I just know if you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, today is a good day to do it. Speak to the Lord right now during this time.